Welcome to Believe with Becky. This is the podcast where we practice the skill of confidence, celebrate individual strengths, and believe in your limitless potential for growth. I'm your host, Becky Smith. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today we're continuing the series on Gretchen Rubin's Four Tendencies. Today is the last tendency, which is questioner. So just to remind you of what a questioner is, a questioner is someone who readily meets inner expectations, but has a hard time with outer expectations. So expectations can be like a deadline at work would be an outer expectation. An inner expectation would be like a personal goal of trying to lose weight or something like that. So today with me, I have a special guest who is a classic questioner. He's just like the textbook of a questioner and it's my son, Ethan. So Ethan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So Ethan, despite you being my firstborn, can you tell my audience about yourself? Yep. Yep. I am my mom's first child. And I am a video producer. I live in Scottsdale, Arizona right now. And I went to school at Utah State and did some community college. Um, I ended up getting the job before I graduated for my four-year degree. I only did two years of school. And that that got me to where I am right now. And it's his 21st birthday today. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Exciting. All right. So... With the questioner, there's some mottos or things that questioners would say. Um, And one of them, I'm going to just ask Ethan what ones resonate with him or just his thoughts on them. Um, The first one is, I'll comply if you tell me why. Yeah, that one's pretty, pretty cut and dry. It explains itself pretty good because why is what drives me to do everything. If uh, I don't know why I'm doing something, I don't have any reason to follow through on it. Okay, the next one is kind of more of the same thing, but don't lose sight of why, same thing, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Justification leads to motivation. Yes and no. That one's a tougher one for me because justification can lead to motivation, but it can also lead to not motivating yourself if you justify things the wrong way. So I kind of have to be careful with that one. Okay. But I do relate to it. Okay. What about this one? Seek and seek and seek and seek and maybe you shall find. Yeah, that one kind of hits a sore spot because <laughs> a lot of times you have to keep looking when the answer was no or keep looking for the door, even though you already found a bunch of locked doors. So it's, I understand what it, what it's trying to say. And the biggest thing is that it says, maybe, because when it says, maybe you shall find, maybe you won't. And, uh, that's the hard part. Okay. And then the one I like the most, uh, for questioner is, but why? Yeah. I find myself asking that question in pretty much every situation where someone wants something from me. Yeah. So just a little more about a questioner is that. They show a deep commitment to information, logic, and efficiency. They really are bothered by things and rules that seem arbitrary. 
Can you expound on that? Yeah, yeah, I can. I despise arbitrary rules, like rules that are there because someone made them and they thought they were good instead of maybe what was best for everyone. And a lot of times people who make the rules aren't in your exact situation. They were in their situation when they made the rules. So I think a lot of decisions require that you take a look at the rules, but then you also take a look at the data you have in front of you and make an informed decision based on what makes sense instead of what has always been the right way. Okay. So another thing, like when questioners wake up each day, they often think what needs to get done today and why? Can you tell me about that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So when I, when I first wake up, my first thought is usually, yeah, what needs to get done today, but also what sort of tasks do I need to do today? Are they tasks that will fulfill me financially? Are they tasks that will fulfill me spiritually or they'll fulfill a relationship? Um, what sort of capital am I going to gain from this and what resources am I going to have to give up to gain that capital? So it, for example, if I'm going to be late to work, um, sometimes it's premeditated, sometimes it's not. <laughs> it's, and when I say premeditated, it's not like I wanted to be late to work. It was just like, ah, oh, I can hit snooze another 10 minutes, I'll be fine. And my questions that go through my head when I hit that snooze button are, who's going to be at the office today? What, so what relationships do I need to fulfill? And I need to, I feel obligated to be there if there's someone who needs me there. Um, that's more of the relationships, but financially it's also, um, I want to get there on time, make sure that I'm getting paid. <laughs> and the, you know, there's, I always try to take into account all the different factors and weigh them in like a Venn diagram and make the decision that way. That seems like a lot of work for just waking up in the morning. <laughs> yeah, okay. it happens in a microsecond, though. Okay. It's like, okay, so no one's going to be at the office today because we were there super late last night, so I'm going to go in late. Okay. But it's still the analysis of the situation. Okay. So tell me about a time when you did what made the most sense to you, even if it meant ignoring a rule or somebody else's expectation. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of those, <laughs> but uh, one of my my favorite ones was when I was in high school, and I really wanted to see my, like, my favorite band of all time was Death Cab for Cutie, and Ben Gibbard is the lead singer for that band, and I, I followed him uh, on social media, but also I followed his story and was really invested in his music, and I was 16, I really wanted to go see it. But that show was on a Wednesday during high school. So to get there, I needed to get there by like one. And I was like, do I, mom will never let me go if I ask. So I'm just gonna like leave school after lunch and hopefully not get caught and then go to the, go to the show. And then things were going great until I got there. And Carter told his mom, Carter's my buddy who went with me. Uh, but he told his mom that we were there. And then his mom told my parents and they were like, you need to come home right now. You shouldn't stay. It's ridiculous. You should have asked us. You're an hour away. And they were pretty mad. But to me, it was just like, this is an arbitrary day of high school. I want to go see my favorite band. And it's better to ask forgiveness than permission in this situation. 
And that's with questioners too. What about, you told me before about also in high school about tucking in the shirt. So that was more middle school for me. Oh, okay. Because I, I went to a charter school from sixth to ninth grade. So technically freshman year was in there too. But there was this rule at the school I went to that you had to wear uniforms and you had to tuck in this polo into a pair of baggy cargos. And I was just, I didn't like the way it looked. I didn't like the way it felt. It was uncomfortable. And I felt I looked like a nerd. So I would always untuck my shirt, right? And the teachers all made a point. They would tell Mr. Smith, tuck your shirt in, tuck your shirt. My, my principal even wrote that in my yearbook, my eighth grade year was Mr. Smith, keep that shirt tucked in. But every time I went around the corner, my shirt came right untucked and made sure to keep it untucked at all times. There was actually 25 po points out of 30 points that I got that could have led to expulsion. At 30 points, that was their discipline system. At 30 points, you get expelled. And I had 25 points my eighth grade year from not tucking my shirt in. But it didn't make sense to you, right? It was just arbitrary. Yeah, it was the their rule. rules. And it was like, this doesn't look professional. This, is, this just looks tacky. And it was just a clash of ideas. All right. So with questioners, research is usually a big deal. And we talked about this a little bit. But tell me um, about research in your life. Tell me about... Well, research plays the biggest role in my life of anything that we've talked about so far. Because I research everything for every decision that I make, pretty much. Like my... We have immediate access to the entire internet on our phone. And if you're trying to figure out the best price of something or what's good to choose, what service to go with, um, there's reviews available, there's images, like the amount of information that you have available to you. I grew up with it and I just kind of take it, I took it for granted for a while, but I'm able to realize now that my process throughout life resulted as is a result of me being able to research everything. And it's a good and bad thing because sometimes you end up spending too long researching and you get to this margin of diminishing return where your research is no longer beneficial to the result you're trying to get. Yeah, so Gretchen calls that analysis paralysis. She says, they crave perfect information, but very often in life we must make decisions and move forward without perfect information. So how do you combat that? Yeah, for me, I, I, there was a there's a sentence that one of my mentors said to me, and that's, can you shoot in the dark? Because a lot of times we get put in situations where we don't have all the information, but we have limited information and we have to be able to make a decision based on that limited information and be able to not only make the decision, but follow through with it and be confident and commit to that decision once you've made it and being confident that you can shoot in the dark, even though you don't have all the information is a, is a big part of how I handle my problems. Okay. And that helps you get over the paralysis of. Yeah, because that's that, like you said, you have to learn that you are never going to get all the information you want and you just have to find the balance of not having the answers and looking for the answers. Cause if you seek, 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 and you're at the you know eighth page of Google, the odds are you probably can't do what you're trying to do. Okay. And uh, I run into that problem a lot with my work too, because 
video production has a lot of technical aspects to it. And sometimes my software bugs out or sometimes the codec that I'm particular codec that I'm using is uh, incompatible with my software. Maybe sometimes my camera isn't working the way I wanted it to. There's just a lot of troubleshooting. And I think that's the biggest thing that humanity lacks in general is <laughs> troubleshooting perseverance, because I can't tell you how many people stop pursuing something because they didn't find it on the first Google search that they looked up. And uh, I think it's a choice to to be informed or to not be informed because you have this unlimited resource in front of you. Okay, so I wanted to talk about something that's really interesting about questioners, which is um, because questioners make careful decisions, they're often annoyed or even insulted when people question them. <laughs> Yeah, that one's really relatable because I try to be very intentional with my words. And I, a lot of times I'm the last one or the one of the last people to speak in a room. And that's because I'm thinking about what I'm going to say. And I've mapped out everything that I want to say and all the potential fallout that could come from that decision. I try to take into account everything before I say it. It doesn't always happen that way, but for the most part, that's my thought process. So when I present information or I present a proposition to my team and they're like, they ask me some question that I already know, like I, I thought about that and I wouldn't have said it if I didn't think that it was going to work. Mm -hmm. Like I, I don't need your question when I already like made the plan and accounted for that. But you see how that can be ironic for us because you questioner ask us questions, but we can't ask you questions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then people open their mouth without thinking and then, it's, yeah. then it becomes, you know, I don't want to condescend it by any means, but a lot of times people don't think before they open their mouth. Yeah. And it's really hard for me to get along with those people. <laughs> yeah. Because you're such a deep thinker with that kind of stuff. So for the most part, well, I'd say it, it, it's always true that a questioner can only meet an expectation if he makes it an inner expectation at first. But there's been times that you've been able to like do something for me um, because like for an example, when you were younger, we had this constant battle about having a clean room or not or a, yeah. a, a made bed and stuff like that. Yeah, was there was one time... <laughs> where I was out with my friends, I was like 15 and I, I just made some new friends that I was out with and it was like probably 6 p.m. on a Friday night and I was a sophomore in high school and my my mom calls me and I was like, oh, what does she want? <laughs> I answer and she's like, the stairs are not vacuumed. You need to come home right now and vacuum the stairs. So I had my friends bring me home and vacuum the stairs. After that, we got into some pretty heated arguments about whether or not chores needed to be done and if it was arbitrary just because I was I was going to get back in my bed that night. It doesn't need to be made. I, I can go like if I leave and come back, I bet you it'll still be fine. Yeah. But the one of the ways we well, you solved that was I think you were able to make it. Tell me if I'm right or wrong, but you were able to make it an inner expectation because you just wanted to make me happy. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a workaround that I found for my process is making a category we talked about this earlier but categories whether it's financial gain emotional gain gaining more out of my relationships and that was that felt that's something that i've recently learned in the last few years especially with my different job opportunities but 
that's emotional capital because that's relationships that's going to fulfill me a lot more than like the opportunity cost is that I don't make my bed. So the payoff is a lot bigger just to do it, to maintain a relationship. And I did compromise a little bit because I was like, okay, we'll just shut the door (laughs) for a lot of it. But if I'd understood this, then I think there would have been a lot less angst. But yeah, lucky you, you were the first (laughs) and we got to like practice a lot of stuff on you. So just to finish off, I want to talk about some of the strengths and weaknesses. Um, Some of them are going to be a repeat, but let's just go over. Um, One of the strengths is that they're data-driven. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, being data-driven is what allows me to chime in on a lot of conversations as well that I may not be an expert on the topic, but I read a lot of articles. I've heard, I've been told that that's kind of nerdy, but (laughs) I, I read a lot of articles. I make sure to keep up. I love keeping up on tech and all these different pieces of data that can help you make more informed decisions. Okay. The next one, um, they're fair-minded according to their own judgment. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, which is a tough one because you can, uh, you can get caught in a loop where, Maybe you feel like you're being fair-minded, but then you try to put yourself in the other person's situ- shoes and you're not sure if you would do that or not. And a lot of people have different lines with uh, that they draw in the sand for you know what's ethical and what's not. Mm-hmm. And navigating that and creating my own set of rules, but also being sure to, again, invest in that emotional capital of not treading on other people who may not understand things the same way that I do and being able to connect with those people and being sure to be compassionate is something that I've really had to, to le- learn and work on because I missed out on a lot of cool opportunities and a lot of friendships because I couldn't put my own judgments aside for what the way I thought things should be done. Okay. That's a good example. That's really good. Um, so it says they're interested in creating systems that are efficient and effective. Yeah, I think almost all systems deserve at least a revision. But um, yeah, in my work right now, actually, the system that we use to get videos approved and to make sure that we're communicating throughout the company, that's I put that together. Um, the whole company uses it now for as far as the, our production team. And I found a new, we found a new piece of software that makes it way quicker for us to set up our projects. But up until that point, no one had ever done that there, but that's also the cost of, uh, doing research that are not doing research is sometimes you lose out on efficiencies and efficiencies are what I obsess on. You want to make sure that you're getting the most out of your time and also making time for the other, not just work, but your own emotional systems and your, you know, dishes system and your laundry system, however, <laughs> however you have it, whatever it is, you want to maximize your efficiency and spend the least amount of time on things that just need to get done. Okay. They are comfortable bucking the system if it's warranted. And I think you're, we already talked about that with the, um, tugging in the shirt and yeah, the system <laughs> system was, like I said, the system is made by people who aren't in my shoes. Yeah. They may, have been in a similar situation, but you know, it's 
it's 10 years later, 20 years later, 100 years later, hundreds of years later for some of these laws. And, you know, there's information I have that they didn't when they made these rules. And as a human being, I'm capable of making decisions like that. Okay. Another strength is that they're interdirected, right? Like if it mm. makes sense to you, if it's efficient and all of that, then. Yeah. A lot of people would call that uh, self-sufficient, self-starters then. Yeah. Uh, that's an inherent trait that I'm grateful for, but it also goes, it goes both what all these go both ways, because if you got no reason to work, you got like, if you can't find a reason to make yourself work, then it's really easy to justify not working. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, they're unwilling to accept authority without justification. I have a hard time with authority in general, but, uh, the justification can be a workaround sometimes. Um, and then we're going to go into the weaknesses. I know this is everybody's favorite. We already kind of talked about this one. The can suffer from analysis paralysis, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so we'll just go on. Um, impatient with what he or she sees as others' complacency. Yeah, that one's a tough one for me. Like, I remember being like five years old and asking my mom to play Super Nintendo with me. And I was a lot better at I was a lot better at it than my mom was. And I just remember like getting so mad because I'm like, mom, just jump right you there. Just do it. Just jump. Just try it. And then she'd go right down into the hole and then die. And I'd be like, okay, let's try it. Just jump. And then I just remember getting enraged because I, I was like, mom, we got, we, why are you even trying? And that translates into later in life too. Like it's hard for me to let someone else take the control of the project or the situation if I don't understand their process or if I don't respect their process. If you don't think they're trying hard, like in that Nintendo Maybe, maybe one, they are trying like... hard, but they're just trying, they're trying really hard in a really ineffective way. <laughs> and, you know, there's a line of compassion and uh, that's where I really have to lean on that. But it's tough for me. It's really tough for me to give up control. Um, they're unable to accept closure on matters that other consider settled if questions remain unanswered. Yeah, that one's a tough one because you get you end up living in your head a lot in past situations that are ambiguous most of the time. But these ambiguous situations are what haunt you the most because you can't quite put your finger on what you would have done different, but you may replay the situation over and over and over again, even though it's so it's long the it's long gone you have no reason to dwell on something like that other than obsessing so okay um they may refuse to observe expectation that others find fair or at least non-optional um because we kind of talked about that but the example it uses is like traffic regulations sometimes if they don't make sense to them yeah, sometimes. Uh, not so much the traffic regulations, but more uh, more so with just my workflow, really. Um, there's a really specific way to do things with video editing, but there's a lot of different ways to do things. And sometimes the initial approach isn't the best approach. So. Okay. And then first of all, would you give, what advice would you give to other questioners? Because there's going to be a lot of people that see themselves in you or that ha uh, maybe, yeah, basically that see themselves in you. What advice would you give to them? Well, it's, it's easy because it's the advice I'd give to myself. It's to 
you know, do your research and pay your dues and take people's, uh, but the biggest thing is to take the internet with a grain of salt. <laughs> and it's, I'm sure it's easier for people who didn't grow up with it, but when you grow up with the internet, you become very accustomed to the culture on the internet and you become very accustomed to this idea that everyone else has seen what you've seen. And the human experience is completely unique to everyone. And even though someone might not process things the same way you do, or maybe they process it slower, maybe they process it quicker, what there's going to, you're going to run into people who are very different from you. And you have to understand that emotional reasoning is really important and you have to respect people's emotions, even though they're foolish a lot of the time or driven by pettiness or driven by fear, whatever it is, like you have to really respect that and understand it because if you don't, you'll find yourself asking a lot of the same questions over and over again and you'll never get answers. Okay, so what about advice to people who deal with a questioner, like a parent, uh, a spouse, a loved one, a boss? What advice would you give them? Be clear in, with your intentions. Intentions are what I look for in everything because that that adds to you know the the scales that I how I read a person. So if someone's giving me ambiguous feedback or they say oh i'm fine but are you fine like <laughs> whatever it is just be be clear with your intentions because if i'm unclear with your intentions and maybe i didn't catch your sarcasm i'm really not gonna dig you i'm not gonna hang out with you i get really uh thrown off by people with bad intentions and maybe they're not bad per se they're not out to get you but you just don't get along with them you have to be able to try to understand intent and put yourself in those person's shoes, which is the hardest thing to do, but it's all about how you view other people. Well, and that's why we're doing this, right? Is to help people see your point of view and to mm -hmm. not take it personally. Like I said, it helped me a lot because you're not the only person in my life who's a questioner. I have a brother who's a questioner and I have a father who's a questioner. So um, it really helps me to not get offended yeah. and to just realize where you're coming from. You're coming from logic and reason and what makes sense to you. And it's not a personal offense. Yeah. The hardest thing is that people are some, might, you might be right, but that doesn't make you better than the other person. And it doesn't make you, doesn't give you any authority over the situation. Even if you're right, the way that people, other people are feeling is completely valid, even if they're wrong. And people have a right to be wrong. And that's really hard for me like to accept. That. But people have a right to be wrong. I mean, look at the way that, uh, you know, measles just broke out in Madagascar to like a thousand people in this village. And that's because of anti-vaxxers, like the science is there's this war on science, but you have to, you can't attack people about their beliefs. You have to take it back to that. We're the same, we're humans, we're on the same team. Yeah. And you have to be able to establish that you're from the same tribe and then you can get to know people better. And maybe you don't want to get to know them better, but you can at least bear to be in the same room as them. Yeah. And again, that's why we're doing that, all these tendencies, because it just helps me understand different perspectives. You know, me coming as an obliger has a very different way of seeing the world than Ethan does as a questioner. But I want to thank Ethan for coming and doing this podcast with me and letting me into his brain a little bit. And I hope that you all got something out of it. And again, Ethan, thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm happy to be on. Okay.
We'll talk to you later. See ya. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you've heard, please tell a friend and take a moment to rate and review on iTunes. Also, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a new episode coming out every Friday. Also, nominate yourself or a friend to be on the podcast. You can find me at Instagram, Believe with Becky Podcast. You can send me a DM. Also, coming soon, my website, believewithbecky.com. I hope you have a beautiful week and I will talk to you next time. Bye for now.